0: Happy Tuesday, everybody. I'm going to go through my weekend. I'm going to go through last night's barn burner, NFL news. I'm going to talk about baseball. I am a prolific baseball watcher. Uh, Also, Barrett Jones will join me and Shit I Saw. suck uh what it do baby Kawhi leonard is uh is patenting that phrase so i'm gonna get it out while i can um this weekend well first off wel- welcome to green light that's the name of the show uh, i'm not gonna sell the show being good if you think it's good keep watching if not plenty of other podcasts um and shows to watch this weekend i was very productive I did not drink all weekend. I was very healthy, pillar of health. Um, I did one productive thing that improved my health further, and that was I got a burner account on Twitter. I'm admitting that. Am I the first person to admit to having a burner account? Maybe. Is it smart? Yes, because if you ever find my burner account, you won't roast me like Romney Katie, Colangelo, especially. I will not blame it on my wife. Meg has nothing to do with this. I just got so tired of looking at my timeline. And the other day, somebody who I had followed as a courtesy, I realized had unfollowed me. Maybe they didn't like something I said. Uh, And I never liked following that person anyway. So I was so excited. It was like a weight lifted off that I could hit that unfollow button And I realized I don't like most of the people I follow, like as far as their timeline is concerned. It doesn't mean I like, I don't like them personally. They're bringing me down on a daily basis and I can't wade through it to read the stuff I actually want to read. So I started a burner account. And the first person that can actually find my burner account, I will fly you here to the prestigious Greenlight Studios in Charlottesville, Virginia. This is wine country. We have a lot of restaurants. Uh, I'll take you out on the town, have you on the show, but you got to find my burner account I'm also having trouble because at night when I get high and i'm on my Burner account, I forget that i'm on my burner account and I almost I go to read my replies under tweets I have My actual account and I get angry at some, (laughs) some of the replies and I nearly respond like hey, don't say that about me I'm gonna be the first one to directly give away That i'm using my burner account Hope it doesn't happen. You know, I mentioned this weekend, I was a pillar of health, uh, no drinking. Two weekends ago, not so much. It's all about balance, one in one. One weekend you drink a bunch of beer, eat some fried food, next weekend you live clean. That is the post-30 formula, along with mixing in some waters. Uh, Two weekends ago, I went to the Mecca of unhealthy living and I went bowling. Hadn't been in a long time. I was there for a birthday party on a Friday night, not a kid's birthday party, believe it or not. My dear friend Kenny turned 34. Happy birthday, Kenny. Thank you for throwing your party at a bowling alley. We do like going bowling. Hadn't been in a while. The lanes were packed. Like bowling is frozen in time. It is still 1998 at bowling alleys across America. It's like baseball to me this time of year. Not sure who actually watches baseball. You open up Twitter, you go to a sports bar. Everybody loves baseball walk into a bowling alley in 2019, it's still there. Uh, Not a lot of overhead in keeping those things, the lights on in those bad boys, I don't think. I mean, what does it really cost to run? One thing they do have to pay for is delicious food. I was the brave soul that opted not to eat dinner before going to the bowling alley the other night, and I needed something to preface the 236 ounces of Miller Lite I was going to consume while bowling a 113 um, and sh- chicken, chicken was my choice. I was, I, I was thinking to myself, I have to be healthy. I'm going to have a grilled chicken sandwich, probably a mistake, at least get it f- flash fried. Um, and I bit into it. and It was crunchy. I shouldn't have been surprised. Not great. There's a lot of places that you could get. I mean, first off, the lady looks at when the lady looks at, at you, like, are you sure that's a problem? she looked at me like somebody hadn't bought one in there since Kingpin was in theaters. And I should have take, taken notice, but I bit into the chicken and it was disgusting. And, uh, I, I had me thinking where's the best place to actually get chicken. That's not a restaurant, like non-traditional spots. Like there are a lot. Gas stations would be one gas station. Chicken is chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. Um, terrible chef's kiss by the way very uncoordinated um i won't eat gas station sushi not my favorite i draw the line there i eat airport sushi not gas station sushi um but one place that has pretty good chicken and i know some people on the set will agree with me is is, is strip club chicken i can say that that's that's okay to admit I've had strip club chicken. Uh, East St. Louis has some good strip club chicken. Gas station its an 8 out of 10. Strip club chicken is like a 10 out of 10. It is the holy grail of non-traditional chicken sources. Uh, East St. Louis, again, it's a staple. It's usually served on a nice bed of fries. You have to anchor all that guilt and shame that you have when you... Or at a strip club at 1:30 in the morning, you come home smelling like cigarettes and strip club chicken. Uh, you got to carb up for the anxiety-ridden Sunday or Monday or Tuesday, depending on who you are, that you're going to have. Um, you know there was a there was a restaurant in Northern Virginia. I shouldn't call it a restaurant. It was a, it was a gentleman's club called Crystal City <laughs> Crystal City Restaurant. It's an abomination to the acronym CCR, and I'll tell you why. They serve sushi right under the performers. That's what we'll call them. For $260, I looked this up, and I've never been, but I have friends that have been. You can spend an hour in the back room, and you book that hour through your server. So after you get brought a plate of mahi-mahi with baby powder on it, Just baby powder falling from the sky, dusting your mahi-mahi. You get to go to the back room for an hour. And it's disgusting. I would not eat sushi at a strip club. That's where I draw the line. Strip club chicken, A-OK, CCR, glad it's closed down. I don't want to be insensitive to the performers that made their living there. But sushi is a no-go at a strip club. Another thing this weekend is the Titans continue to be the bane of my existence. First, they take the Oilers, coolest uniforms in football. Then I go 0-3 in my professional career against the Titans. I'm not sure I was winless against any other team. We could look that up later. Uh, but that included a 47-7 drubbing back in like 2010 where I watched Chris Johnson um, pass by our defense like like a a Ferrari on the highway and we didn't know what the fuck was going on. Um, 23 to three, we lost to Jake Locker or actually it was 26 to 23, 26 to 23. We lost to Jake Locker uh, in a tight ball game barn burner back in like 14. Um, Or was it 23 to three? Did we get our asses kicked that bad by Jake Locker? I think it was 23 to three. The game we did lose 26 to 23 was an overtime game in 2018. Yeah, felt like 10 years ago, it was a year ago. And we lost in OT, we blew a 17-3 lead. Every time I played the Titans, it was something terrible and they continue to whoop my ass post-football. I got roped into Chargers second half, plus two and a half, two weeks ago, and celebrated in a bar after a really bad day, I thought that was the, the bet that would get me back in it. I thought Melvin Gordon crossed the goal line. Obviously, he fumbled. Obviously. That sunk my Sunday two weeks ago, and my Sunday yesterday, or two days ago, was sunk by uh, Derek Henry looking like Jim fucking Brown against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. The defense that held Saquon Barkley in check, CMC in check, everybody they played, can barely sniff a yard the minute i bet derrick henry under 62 and a half i should have known those damn titans so yeah titans i respect you but i don't want to use the word hate at this point i don't like you you continue to torment me let's get on to some nfl stuff
1: ravens dolphins i said
2: dolphins camarillo's got it 40 he might throw the
1: defense come on we oh, yeah. Unbelievable. Oh, yes. Unbelievable.
0: <laughs> so yeah, it turns out the uh, you know the, the show Greenlight is not just about strip club chicken. Uh, it is also about the NFL, which is what I did for a very long time. Uh, I've also been on a lot of bad teams. And we just saw Greg Camarillo, who came in on a white horse and saved the day about a decade ago in the twilight of a season that looked like the Dolphins would go 0-16. So who's going to be this year's Greg Camarillo? When's that win coming? you could see it very soon. I think you could see it against the Jets, and that's no disrespect to the Jets. You could also see it towards the end of the season when the inevitable clash between the Bengals and Dolphins happens listen hats off to the dolphins those players they play their asses off i know flo i played with him or i played under him in new england i like him i wasn't crazy about his his zero blitz on on third and 20. i wasn't crazy about how they turned the ball over haven't been crazy about all the decisions they've made uh but those players are playing their asses off and that takes a lot in the nfl when you are down Routinely, and you're the laughingstock of the league in the Twitter era. It has to be really hard to be on a bad football team. And I feel like I cost them the game last night, and I'll explain why. They went up seven, nothing. I liked them getting 14 points for the game. Naturally, I pounded. I didn't pound it. I tapped the money line plus
3: 206.
0: The lead balloons to 14. My heart rate goes down to about 48. Nice resting heart rate. Not even nervous. I got Fitzpatrick at the helm. And then they collapse. And uh, I want to apologize to the Miami Dolphins organization for fading them by placing a bet. I think that is because of me. You will continue to be in the running for... Oh, it shouldn't be an apology. Actually, you're welcome because you'll you'll probably ship Josh Rosen to the Pats, who will turn into a three-time MVP and Super Bowl champion. That's just the way these things go. And you'll draft Herbert next year because you'll be 1-15 or 0-16. So you're welcome. And you're welcome to the Pats for your future quarterback. That's what we call the butterfly effect. Uh, Rudolph, up and down, really rusty in the first half, hit some nice throws on the sideline, not great over the middle. And then as the game went on, those receivers uh, that you'd never heard of in Pittsburgh, they've done a great job of drafting receivers outside the first round since 2009, a bunch of pro bowlers. Started making plays. And uh, again – didn't learn much last night, but that's why you love football. It felt like a big game, and it wasn't. Make no mistake about it. I was in a lot of games like that when I was in St. Louis. I was on one team that I think might be worse than the Dolphins are this year, and that was a 1-15 team under Steve Spagnola, his first year in 2009. The point differential going into Week 8 for us was 151. The Dolphins was 148. These are negatives, obviously. Um, of course, we picked up our win at Detroit thanks to a fake field goal to Daniel Fells, and that was our only win of the season the Dolphins obviously lost last night I will say this though it is a lot harder to go 0-16 or 1-15 in a Midwestern climate than it is living in Fort Lauderdale like these guys are doing I'm not saying it's not hard but it's nice and warm down there we snapped a 17 game losing streak uh, when we won in week 8 and that was a big deal So, two backup quarterbacks essentially last night in Rudolph and uh, Fitzpatrick. Although I don't want to disrespect Fitzpatrick by calling him a backup, he is a legend. Uh, I think backup quarterbacks in 2019 are going to be, when we look back at it, the biggest storyline. I don't want to say it's a hidden storyline. It's right in our faces every week. It's this big changing of the tide. Remember when I got in the league, you've got your big five quarterbacks. You've got your Roethlisberger, Brady, Breeze, Manning. I'm forgetting a few others, but these guys are all going by the wayside due to injury or, or otherwise, and we're seeing an influx of new names based on decisions front offices have made or based on injuries. And there's going to be no bigger name when you look back at 2019 than Teddy Bridgewater. The job he's done, job that Sean Payton has done, has been nothing short of spectacular. Bridgewater was not just a game manager in the five games he won since Breeze went out and everybody thought that maybe the best team in the NFC would lose their home field advantage. The most important home field advantage in football. Bridgewater was anything but a manager. He beat good teams along the way. And in his last outing against the vaunted Bears defense, he was six of eight for I think 148 uh, on 10 yard plus passes. That's without Kamara or Cook. So hats off to him, hats off to Peyton. They've done a great job. Um, I think he'll go down as this year's uh, Jeff Hostetler. And for those of you who don't remember, 1991, uh, late in that season, along the way when the Giants won the Super Bowl against the Bills, they lost Sims for a couple weeks. Hostetler finished the season. He'd only had two starts prior, um, and he won two games for him, big games, to get him in the number two seed in the playoffs. And eventually Sims comes back. And they roll to the Super Bowl. But my favorite backup quarterback is my boy, Jacoby Brissett, who I saw firsthand in New England uh, play admirably in some spots when Brady was suspended, actually, in 2016. Backup head coach with the Josh McDaniels debacle. Backup quarterback with Andrew Luck's impromptu retirement. The big question was, can he win games? I think he showed that no greater evidence than their big win over houston two weeks ago offensively they don't pick up a single rushing first down that's all jacoby he's made big throws he can manage games and he knows when to win them and i think that's the frank reich effect as well and that's jacoby being a good student Indy fans how about y'all you are lucky as hell that horseshoe that might be i know where that horseshoe i know where that horseshoe is um Y'all have had franchise QB after franchise QB after franchise QB because I, th- I think Jacoby is. With no dip in production or lag time, you had Manning, you have Luck, and now you have Brissett. all very different. And by the way, you have a really good roster and the Ballard situation has played out beautifully, at least this year, the most cap room in the NFL with that roster. And that leads me to one of the biggest storylines in football And that is a backup quarterback because that's what Jimmy G was in New England. 7 0, staring down the barrel of a season where it looks inevitable, it it in fact is inevitable, that they're going to play the Patriots and possibly a Super Bowl preview. Two 7 0 teams. I saw Jimmy G step in in 2016. He got us a big, big win on the road uh, on Sunday Night Football to open that season with Brady um suspended he also looked like Joe Montana against Miami before his shoulder exploded um i had a buddy in high school that his girlfriend cheated on him and she also loved Tom Brady so he hates Tom Brady and when Tom was suspended and Jimmy G looked like Joe Montana he said that's evidence that Tom Brady is a system quarterback not so much the truth is always somewhere in between Jimmy G looks more like Jimmy G in san francisco um but again that team is 7-0 new england is 7-0 it looks like a collision course and i think odds on favorites i I think i saw football outsiders had the two greatest odds to be in the super bowl uh, patriots at like 35 percent i think uh, san francisco somewhere in the teens there's a lot that they have in common right so there's the wide receiver wide receiver trades right before the deadline sunu and, um, and and Sanders going to those two teams respectively to inject some life into two kind of middle of the road offenses. Um, you have injuries to uh, two key O linemen on both teams. You, Joe Staley's coming back. You get you're getting Win back in New England. You lose David Andrews. Obviously, he's not coming back. Um, they both use fullbacks heavily. Uzcheck is out. He's coming back. The fullback in New England, Devlin, who I think is a big part of their success as anybody. People freaked out about losing Gronk. You freak freaked out about losing the guy that allowed you to get in 21 and pound the ball down people's throats throughout the postseason. It, it allowed them to morph into a different team last year uh, in wins against the Chiefs and most notably the Chargers along the way to the Super Bowl. So, missing fullbacks, wide receiver trades, injuries. The DVOA for these teams are one and two by a wide margin. Last week, going to the game, I saw a stat where the difference between the two and three DVOA teams defensively, uh, and that was San Francisco and Carolina, was the same distance as the distance between the number three and number 28 team. So that gap is massive. These two teams are all on their own, and they do it from the back end down. And that's what's really interesting. I don't know if Bill did this on purpose. I would assume he has. But they've built that team, and they've said, we're going to disregard pass rush. And I'll get to that in a minute. I think um, San Francisco has developed into a back-end first team. They've obviously drafted up front. But the D coordinator was in Seattle for three years, saw Legion of Boom, 11-13. Joe Woods was there in the uh, no-fly zone era in Denver, I think it was called. Uh, He was a coach under Wade and there was a DC and there he's helped in San Francisco develop those pieces that were kind of average pieces around Sherman into pluses. And now the, the DBs are killing it in San Francisco. I talked about pass rush. New England deprioritizes it, won't pay pass rushers. Chandler Jones goes, Trey Flowers goes and what they do, because of the Gilmore signings, they can lock half the field down. Usually what happens is Gilmore goes on number two and locks him, locks him down. You don't have to worry about two, throw away the key. And then on number one, you have safety help. And they zero up and they blitz a lot. It ain't the, for, the front four making hay there. And on, at one point they were on pace for 70 sacks. That's all back end. It's a little bit less back end in San Francisco. They've drafted three first rounders really well in Buckner, um, in Armstead, And obviously they've hit on a guy who should be Defensive Rookie of the Year in Bosa. And they brought in D Ford. But an interesting stat going into last week was the pass rush win rate. When you look at that, that's how quickly pass rushers are winning. 2.5 seconds is the threshold. San Francisco had 20 sacks going into that game. One in 20 happened in quicker than three seconds. That's good coverage. Four in New England's 26 sacks going into Sunday were the same way. And when you look at the Super Bowl implications. I, I look back at some of the most notable scheme-driven Super Bowl victories. The 85 Bears, obviously that 46 defense, that people weren't ready. They always had one too many. You couldn't block them. 91 Pats, or 90, not 91 Pats, 91 Giants, and Bill was there. And Bill's defensive game plan, people have jokes, should go into the Hall of Fame. As well as the 18 Pats, which obviously took defense to win. 13-3, to 3, they beat the Rams. Two out of those three Super Bowls in the last 30 years, 35 years have Bills stamp on them. And I think that this this year's Super Bowl may very well have another Bills stamp on it defensively and to Bills credit, they've all been different. So uh, matchup problems for New England. I think think if they saw San Francisco, they'd have trouble because of the run game uh, and the D-line getting pressure on Brady with four. That's a big key. You saw it with the Giants. That's why they were constantly harassing brady in super bowls is because they get pressure with four you don't have to scheme it another matchup that might be trouble for the patriots is not in the afc it's drew Brees. he was 15 of 17 against the blitz on sunday in his first game back he's a tough guy to deal with if they see him down the line uh quick hitters here around the nfl i want to shout out brandon brooks while we're on the eagles giving up the lowest pressure rate of any guard in the league 11 months off an Achilles, this guy's inhuman. He's like 360 pounds. Brooks, I know how hard you work, shout out to you. Shaq Barrett, he went on a tear the first month and a half of the season. It's cooled a little bit. He just picked up his 10th sack. Congrats on him getting double digits. And most importantly, picking up the bonus, 250K. I think he's gonna rot away on a forgotten team, but I hope they do the right thing and put him in a Pro Bowl. Not that Pro Bowls mean anything anymore. Um, Kudos to him. Andrew Whitworth is actually old and good enough to have actually beaten all 32 teams. I believe it is. Uh, J.J. Watt, out for the season. Torres Peck, I believe it was. Uh, You you hate to see that. Three years out of the last four, he's he's suffered major injuries and was still playing at such a high level. Uh, He's certainly a future Hall of Famer. And if I had to bet on anybody coming back from an injury like that, it's JJ. Wish you the best. Chargers, four games in a row under 40 yards rushing. That is abysmal. Wizenhunt Hunt is fired. Um, funny tweet here. I mean, yeah, home field advantage in, in L.A. Is not, is not their strong suit. Um, Melvin Gordon hasn't injected much into that offense. In fact, I think he could be moved. Boy, that started out looking like a good move for Melvin and didn't turn out to be so great to hold out. There's a, there's a rumor going around, started by Adam Schefter, on Chicago radio that Bethard, uh, who's obviously in San Francisco, might be shipped for Gabriel, who's in Chicago, who actually played under Shanahan in Atlanta, I believe. Um, I like the trade for Chicago, actually, because I think you're going to have to do something about quarterback At least have the option. And I like C.J. I think he played really well in the Packers game, I believe it was, uh, last year. Tough kid. Uh, Another thing about the Bears, Nagy took a lot of heat this week for his decision-making at the end of the game. Opted to kick a 41-yarder, took some knees. That has a 27% miss rate. And the Bears have only fumbled on run plays at a 2% rate. So you can see the disconnect there. And he had 24 hours to dissect the decision. He said he'd do it again 1,000 times. That means you would miss. I'm no math magician. But, hey, make 27% misses on 1,000 kicks. What's that?
1: That'd be a lot of misses. About 270? That's right.
0: Yeah. Don't know about that. I still think Nagy's a good coach. Um, I think they have to do something with quarterback. So, enough football. I get bored with it. Uh, I am much more of a baseball watcher, as y'all know. Let's get to baseball. I'm going to have my high school coach join me and tell me a little bit about the scouting report on me and my analysis. Little background here. A lot of y'all know me as baseball watcher. This is a four seam fastball right here. What's a two seam fastball? Pass- this is my with, high school with, baseball with, coach.
2: With, With the train tracks.
0: This is Eric McGrain, also known as Wookie. Uh, He was my high school baseball coach for a long time because I spent five years in high school. (laughs) (laughs) He also coached me in JV ball, right? Correct. And married one of my friend's sisters, who you also coached. That was messed up.
2: Sorta, but she was she's so good looking. I thought there was no chance that she would ever marry me. Not my fault.
0: McGrain, bro, how do you like the uh, you know people on Twitter? I know you're not on Twitter. I'm a big baseball watcher, and that's kind of my brand right now. Gotcha. So that's why I brought you in to kind of grade some of my postseason analysis, but also uh, to grade some of my swag. What do you think about the Harper jersey?
2: I think we're not off to a great start with that, but it's... he's played well in the World Series, hasn't he? Yeah, he, yeah, he's played really. It's good to see him finally in the world. It's good to see him finally in the World Series. <laughs> Did you tell me he's not in the World. <laughs> yeah, he might be playing for the Phillies. <laughs> Go, Phils. Um,
0: I wanted to get into it. I mean, a lot of people are asking, was I good at baseball? Because I'm really good at analyzing baseball, but like in football, they like some of the analysis to come from
2: great players. Was I a great player? You were pretty good. You were really good. You had a very short swing. You had a quick bat. Short swing. Yeah, it was, you had a nice compact swing, but you looked like a football player when you swung. Uh Um. That's bad? Uh, no, it was, it was good. I mean, the funny part was that you couldn't hit a damn curveball. Um, I can remember practices. I threw like we were in the cage forever. I was just spinning balls at you nonstop to the point where I was like, this is hopeless. Like genetically, I just felt like that happened. Yeah. Maybe I blacked
0: (laughs) that out. I don't remember.
2: And um, I'll never forget your dad was like, you know, what's the plan? And I was like, he's not allowed to swing at curveballs. Because if a pitcher saw you swing and miss at a curveball, I was afraid that you would get So it's it.
0: like a self-scout, like if we don't even try to hit curveballs No one will know that you can't hit
2: them Because <laughs> I was like, it's high school, they got two pitches And everybody knew who you were, you were the biggest kid out there I figured every pitcher wanted to throw a fastball So your batting plan was, if it's straight, swing And you hit like 700, it totally worked Yeah, 700 against fastballs, which is good You, I mean, you had a great season Because I'm checking. hold on no major leaguers ever hit 700. Never. Never. You had a great season just swinging at fastballs. Enough about my weaknesses. Talk about my strengths. So my favorite Chris Long moment was, so you took your junior year off from baseball. I did. I took a hiatus. And you came back your senior year. Yeah. And you were just, and you played lots of sports senior year. You're just having fun. Sports guy. Um, And we were at Fernandina Beach uh, on our spring break trip. And it was a night game, they had these low lights, there was some fog.
0: Set the table. This is my first time back to <laughs> Jacksonville and the Sea Turtle Inn. Correct. new Jacksonville residents watching the show.
1: So this uh, is our... We
0: stayed at the Sea Turtle Inn. The last time I was there, I got kicked off the trip <laughs> for trying to buy Swisher Sweets with somebody else's ID. I walk into a Seven Eleven. I'm. F- it's like the JV trip. So of course, there's nothing in the Swisher Sweets, but like JV athletes like to grab some cigarillos and just walk into an alley <laughs> so it's me and some homeless guys and i'm puffing these <laughs> these these filtered swisher sweets with nothing in them um so i go to 7-eleven and try to buy them at sea turtle inn you've heard this story yeah evan, the evan well right as i i try to buy the swisher sweets the woman would have thought I was trying to, you would have thought I was trying to rob the 7-Eleven the way she was it like, was police! Ovarie. It was an ovary. There was, was just, a cop. Yes. <laughs> it happened to be, this was my luck. I always <laughs> got caught. There was a cop that happened to be in the parking lot and he brought me back to my hotel. Uh, but my first trip back, I had a redemption tour.
2: You did. You did. And it was that Fernandina Beach. They were, they were a good team. And the kid was throwing real hard. And this was like testing out the theory of don't swing at curveballs. Mm. And so it's your first at bat. We're all kind of wondering, like, how it's going to go. And he I mean, he was throwing mid-80s, and you hit that thing a good it was mid to high 80s. <laughs> probably. Maybe 96, 97, something like that. But Good uh, movement. You absolutely mauled it. Hit a complete laser, like, way deep over the lights into the woods. It was easy. They call that a moonshot. It, it was a laser. Yeah. You hit a lot of balls real hard. Okay, but my brother was better. Yeah Okay I mean Kyle was better He had that classic Beautiful left handed swing Ken Griffey Very he much He
0: looked so. like a big ass Ken Griffey Jr But yeah. a white Like a yes. whiter Yeah
2: Yeah He was Yeah he had a very good swing And I'll never Like that was your home run That was a missile That went 450 I mean To the point where Could the,
0: I hit the ball 500 feet?
2: I think we had this discussion one day Like in the locker room And I think it could I think you could Could Kyle hit it 550? Easy <laughs> <laughs> Easy. So I, I mean that ball for I don't want to take anything away from your home run in Fernandino. No, H. we're past that. Okay. Um I mean that kid probably watches on Sunday and is like, Yeah, I, I, I gave I up gave that up home run. Yeah, I gave up too. But anyways, but Kyle's was like Kyle hit this ball in the state championship game against Paul the Sixth. And it was like, you know, good home runs have like landmarks, right? Mm. You hit a parked car and the alarm goes off, you hit the bowl and you get yeah. a free stake. So right field had this huge water tower behind it and kyle hit this hanging curveball between the second and the third rung of the water tower so it was like it was no question he hit
0: he hit the curveballs
2: yeah he could hit the (laughs) curveballs. he hit it it was like no question It was leaving the yard it was like is it going to hit the damn water tower so he goes through the second and third water towers i know it's a massive bomb because i look in the stands and everybody's got their phone out like (laughs)
0: This is, what year is this? I know. This they is had what, their, their fucking their, razors. <laughs> their flip phones. LG, buttons. like, yeah.
2: And I look up and everybody's taking a picture and everybody's kind of shocked, so I'm like, dang. There's
0: no way you're catching that ball in mid midair the way the pixelation was in 2000. No way, but I
2: think they were just filming. Yeah. It, it was bizarre. Mm-hmm. So that stuck out. And then it was like, once it went through the water tower, it was like over a fence into somebody's yard. I mean, I'd love to see the layout of that field. Because that could have easily been 500-plus. Oh, yeah. I remember the shot. Okay. So, but my favorite part, the thing that makes the home run even more epic, is that it lands in the backyard of some dudes that were just grilling on a Saturday. (laughs) Like the guy. (laughs) So, they're just grilling out there. They've never
0: seen a ball hit their yard,
2: probably. Probably ever. No chance. And all of a sudden, like the Bigfoot video, right, of like back in the day when he's like, there comes Howie Long into their backyard. (laughs) And this guy's like <laughs> to fetch a home run ball. And this guy's like, "Hey, man, I think that's Howie Long." And you know his buddies are like, "Dude, what, you what the fuck is Howie Long doing here?" <laughs> and your dad explains it like, "Hey, Howie, <laughs> you want some barbecue?" <laughs> so that's my favorite. Is not only was it a massive bomb, but it includes these like random dudes that are like. That was the that was the most memorable memorable day for those folks. I
0: believe so. Yes, for sure. So uh, also, I want to admit something before we move on to my current. A uh, job as an analyst. Got gotcha. you. The day we beat Woodbury in that doubleheader, I was hungover.
2: <laughs> you hit a home run in that game, yeah, too. Yeah, I played well hungover. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's well, awesome. Well, now you know. <laughs> <laughs> We're past that. We are past that. We're just podcast we guys now. We're fine. Yeah, we got kids. We're fine. We
0: turned out all right. Uh, few notes here I had as I was watching, because uh, I hadn't watched baseball, full disclosure. I've been like Rip, rip Van Winkle with this shit, like... I took a long time off. It's not that I, like I, didn't that like, I don't like baseball or no baseball. I've taken an 11-year nap. It's like 162 games or whatever. It's too much for me. My ADD can't handle it. But playoffs are cool. I turned it on the other night in game two. I think it was in the top of the seventh. Right. And they scored like 10 runs. And I was like, I could get used to this baseball thing. So now I'm in, right? Gotcha. Um, so I had a few notes. I want to see what you thought about my analysis. The first
2: question I had is, is baseball the best sport to take a shit? <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially if you have a bathroom in your dugout. Yeah. At STAB, we had a bathroom in the dugout. I don't remember if I went in there and dropped any bars. But yeah, I believe it is. You have a whole half inning to take a break. High school diet that was like pregame was like 40 chicken nuggets. Yeah.
0: I could go to McDonald's and eat 40 chicken nuggets and think they were healthy because it's chicken.
2: Yeah, baseball, you basically get you get time off in between. yeah. Unless you're hitting, but yeah, it's I mean, a great we had, sport for that. We
0: had, what about in the major leagues? Like do guys in between and you played collegiate baseball, by yeah. the way. He's not some slouch. He's a legend.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and I'm getting better as time goes on because UVA baseball's gotten better since I was there.
0: Yeah, so your stock is rising. It is. Yeah. I would uh, I would say that if you're a professional athlete though, your chances of going and dropping a deuce are hundred percent better. How at- many people a game? in the MLB do you think take a, a deuce during
2: games? I, I mean, it's gotta be, I, I, it just depends on what your body clock is, right? I'm sure a lot of- What do you think the
0: city is that people are taking the most deuces on the road?
2: Los Angeles. The food, why? The late nights. The late nights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, you could cut up a little bit. Is Bumgardner an asshole? No, so, I, I don't think so, so- hop- He seems like sensitive guy pitcher. Which is not a thing I'm... I think with a name like Bumgartner, you've got to be a nice guy.
0: Okay. I, I but think... what about him being sensitive about every time somebody makes a play and, like, so much as watches the ball? I mean, like, that's the thing I don't get about baseball is
2: all the unwritten rules. Yeah, but the unwritten rules make it great. Okay. I'm, seriously, the unwritten rules, the game kind of polices themselves. I, I kind of like the unwritten rules. Is there one you think that should go? Cause like a
0: pitcher, he strikes somebody out. He can fucking pump his arms, scream at the camera and shit. Somebody hits a dinger. Fair, you get beaned. You get beaned. Fair. Then you go to fight the guy and everybody runs out. I do like the baseball fights. The guy <laughs> for the Reds this summer, he was impressive.
2: I feel like there are some kind of moments. There was when David Justice first charged the mound with, and was the first guy to throw the helmet. He's the first one. Uh, he was the first one that I remember that used the helmet as a weapon. Right. I thought that's up in this game, like yeah. that's up in the game. Yeah, um, there was a Triple A game once I saw where you know typically what happens is the hitter rushes the pitcher and the catchers right there to hold him back, and right. nothing ever happens. Which is always a it's a fraud. So in a Triple A game, this guy was like he drops the bat, turns around, drills the catcher to knock him down. (laughs) I saw that. Before he goes, and I was like, that's up in the game too, right? Oh,
0: that's a good video.
2: And then my other third favorite fight was the, uh, I forget who it was, some pitcher or somebody tried to like karate kick somebody and completely missed and fell on. That was another good one. I like Nolan Ryan putting that guy in like a- Oh, Ventura. A headlock. Yeah, it was like, don't come after dad.
0: That actually, I actually legitimately, I don't believe that a lot of baseball players can kick people's asses, like, functionally out in the world. Yes. Nolan Ryan has Old whooped strength. a couple people's asses.
2: And I remember, like, SportsCenter back in the day, they were like, one, two. They oh, yeah. counted them out. That's it was good. like seven straight That's to the That's the way edge. it should be. It should. I
0: think it's like hockey. It's so funny how we get up in arms about these fights in every, in every other sport. We just let it happen in hockey. We actually like it. It's part of the game. Right. I think we should make it part of the game in baseball. Hmm. Cesar Rodney, how would he do in uh, in a baseball fight?
2: You mean Rodney for the for the Nationals?
0: Yeah, he's my favorite player
2: I, with the side cocked hat.
0: Yeah, I love him. He's forty three. Like he's he the side cocked he, hat. He's, he's forty three. I love it. He's actually think? in my
2: notes here. What is the deal with Cesar Rodney? So, um, I, he's an old guy that's been around the league forever. It right. seems like he's playing for lots of teams. Personally, when I watch the Nats, he gives me a lot of stress. And I, I feel like it's either a really good inning or a very, very bad inning. Right. And the other night, he had a very, very bad inning. I think he walked two, gave up a single and a grand slam, something like that. I mean, that's, that's an outing. I've had right? some bad innings like that. <laughs> I, I mean. The
0: last time I cried, like, in the middle of a, sp- a sports game. Was little league? I think in the middle of it, like I've cried after a game, but I cried. I totally bitched up on the mound my twelve year old year. They were doing the county fair behind McIntyre Little League. Oh yeah. Craig Builders lit me up for like a, that type of Caesar Rodney and oh yeah. And you know the crying on the mound thing in little league is a real thing. It is a real thing. You know, if you are going to coach little league at some point, how do you
2: deal with kids that cry on the mound? You you just got to go give them a hug. Give them a hug. I mean, the one thing about baseball that is hard is it is a team sport. But when you're pitching, right, or when you're hitting, right. it's just you. Or if you're playing third base and the ball's hit to you and you kick it, like, hot corner, yeah, it, is what they call it in the biz. Yeah, it's a very isolating sport. Like when yeah. you strike out, there, it's not like the safety didn't come help you in the exactly. Deep, like you struck out. Yeah, it was just you. Yeah, it was just, and you got to own that, right? Yeah. If you're pitching and you give up a massive home run, it's like, yeah, I, I did that. So it's very isolating, and so I think that that, that puts a lot of pressure on people.
0: So, so baseball is hard for me, looking at it, because in football, like you said, we share a lot of the blame. In baseball, all eyes are on you. You've got to have some big balls to play baseball. What's the easiest position, though, in the, in the bigs? If you had a dream job,
2: lowest pressure? DH. DH? I think so. I mean, some people would say that mentally, you know, you've got to be able to shake off the bad at bat in between innings, but DH... Right, you're only hustling if you hit the ball. I think that's probably the easiest job. Okay, some more things I had in
0: my notes here. Um, is Altuve afraid of the ball? He has an uh, uh, elbow guard and a shin guard. What happened to him?
2: So, that's part of the... So, while you were asleep, I feel like the padding for hitters has become a thing. <laughs> All these hitters have these we pads. You never used to do that. No! I don't. I, I mean, I get it. Like the guys that get hit in the face that have the extra kind of jaw piece, right? I think Steinback in the A's or uh, w- was one of the first. Yeah, to do. Yeah. Didn't he have the? Like, the... I feel like if you got your jaw broken in half you and have busted, an excuse. yeah, that extra piece is fine. But they, you know, you got the shin guards, you got the elbow guards, and so as a pitcher, um, I think it would bother me that they have all of that armor because they're basically making themselves more comfortable on the inside part of the plate. And as a pitcher, you probably don't like that. You want him to be uncomfortable with the inside part of the plate.
0: I think it's kind of a bitch move.
2: I, I, I kind of agree.
0: Okay. Um, Altuve also caught a grounder on his knees down 11-2 to two in the eighth, I think it was, during game two of the World
2: Series. Yeah.
0: Um, Joe Buck creamed himself and said, <laughs> it's 11-2 and Altuve's still playing hard. Like, how fucking hard is that? It's not. To hit your knees and catch a ground ball.
2: It's not hard. It's okay, not. but I think I think the the bigger issue is as an as an announcer, you, like you said, 162 games,
0: you got to keep it fresh.
2: And it's eleven to two, like what are you gonna talk? I mean, it was a few nights ago. It was the nice game... play by Altuve, <laughs> way not to screw that up. Like there's ways, there's different ways. The way they call baseball <laughs> games, by the way,
0: it's basically a podcast. Y- yeah, they basically fill 30 second gaps in between everything with just banter
2: yes but baseball doesn't have a time a clock right like in football you're up, you can run it out in, in baseball like what do you do if it's 11 to 2 you got to come up with something
0: yeah and on the t- and on the field you're kind of like why are we out here Like yeah. nine runs in an inning it's not happening right and like i want to go the fuck home at least when you play football and you're down 40 you could be physically embarrassed you could be mortally wounded so Correct. you have to survive yes i know that for a fact Yes. Because we were down forty a lot in St. Louis, <laughs> which we talked about earlier in the show. But um yeah, I mean in baseball, what's
2: the motivation? It's like, dude, I don't have to survive out here. Like, I'm gonna take my ass home. Well, I I, you know, I think nobody wants to make an error. And there there are people that enjoy a blowout, right? Like hitters that are having a stat day. Yeah. I mean, they're having a great day. Yeah. Um It's like it's like pass
0: rushers late in the game yeah. for the league. <laughs> yeah, smell much. blood.
2: Uh Another thing is I
0: saw a guy hit a home run and run really fast around the bases for the Nationals. Yeah. Um, And they freaked out. I thought they were going to sports science. like John Brinkus, like, how the fuck? He's an elite athlete. Look at him sprint around the bases. What is the most athletic thing somebody does on a baseball field? Because I never see, I see outfielders getting top speed. That's impressive. What's something that people don't think about that's a really athletic play?
2: So I think some of the most athletic plays are when you have the shortstop and the second baseman trying to field a ball to their offhand side, right? Mm-hmm. You got a shortstop, a second baseman running towards center field, left field. You got a shortstop running towards third, and they got to stop and throw across their body hard enough to throw a professional athlete out. I think, yeah. like the the Jeter plays back when he was jumping and spinning and throwing. I think those are some of the most athletic plays. Yeah, to throw with nothing behind it, all arm strength, and your body weight's going the other way. I think that's pretty.
0: Impressive. How do older guys in, in baseball not tear their hamstring, like explode it? Because, no disrespect to uh, a catcher in the MLB, but he's probably not an elite athlete when it comes to sprinting. He's not yes. there because he's a sprinter. So, you get a, you get a base hit. Oh, maybe catcher's not the best one. Some, some guy who's been sitting there cold on the bench, whether you've been playing or not, and then you're trying to gr- run out a, a grounder, like, how do you not explode your hamstring? I
2: have no idea, honestly. I had a, there was a guy I played with at Virginia who, who, that was his thing. He just kept popping his hamstring over and over again. I don't know. Right. I think. because bas- he was fast. I, I mean, I, I, he was, I mean, there are other people that were fast that didn't blow their hamstrings right. out, but I'm, I'm totally with you on that one. I don't know how they do it. In fact, if you look at baseball injuries, most of the baseball injuries happen when people aren't running in a straight line. Like right. baseball is a very straight line sport. Right. Most of the injuries happen when people. It's the fastest uh, distance between two points. Right. That's I'm serious. It is. Okay. I know. I agree. <laughs> I agree.
0: Uh, Suzuki, what's this guy's deal, man? Because I listened to the announcers the other night. I had written in my notes backhanded compliment question mark. They basically shit on him for 35 seconds after he did something good. And then the compliment at the end was he's a stone in Verlander's shoe.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't get that. <laughs> I don't, I don't get that. I, I, I don't think he's a pebble on Verlander's ass like I I just oh he's so so I don't think Suzuki he's he's sub stone yeah he's sub stone Jesus I I mean he hit a home run and and they gave him a lot of credit for it well they
0: didn't give him any credit they proceeded to talk about everything he's bad at for a whole minute and then they called him a stone in Verlander's shoe which is the worst compliment you could give somebody I didn't know that was a compliment what did Suzuki do to y'all baseball fans
2: I I just I just think baseball fans want people they can count on, and he's and and I don't know, I don't see it. What's up with people filling out the scorecards?
0: Is that um...
2: yeah? So you mean at the games, like people? Yeah. Are...
0: So I there are a lot of did every did every one of them do it with their dad when
2: they're a kid? Is it a dad thing? I don't know. So I know a lot of people that like to bring a scorebook to the game, and they yeah. and they do it, and it makes them happy. I don't understand that. Like I played baseball, I get it. But like keeping like keeping score is the thing. Like at my kids' game, they're like, will someone keep score," and I'm like, "Yeah, it sucks." I'll do it. You
0: want to check your phone, right? You can admit it.
2: I yeah. And I'm like, I don't think your kids are listening to this. They might. Lucy might. Um, So I, I don't. I don't get it. I mean, it feels like it's taken away a lot of the other stuff with your head down, keeping track of pitches and doing all that. So I, I don't understand it. But it makes people happy. Why is Frank Thomas doing boner commercials? I guess because he's got low T. I. I mean, it's it's hard. I mean, is it's is hard there to any see? difference
0: between a testosterone commercial and a bone?
2: I'm commercial. trying to give him <laughs> some credit. I, it's hard to watch. He was such a stud back in the day. He's still a stud. I, that's the whole point of the. <laughs> that's the point of the, uh, the. The. But it's like it's like he needs supplements to be the same stud he was.
0: It looks like an intro to uh, a Brazzers scene. I, I, it's hard to watch. I
2: was a big Frank Thomas guy. Hey ladies. I, yeah.
0: <laughs> Just sitting at the coffee shop, just a Hall of Famer is
2: at a that, coffee shop.
0: Is that Frank You guys having trouble with your husbands right now?
2: <laughs> yeah, it's hard to watch. It's hard to watch. It is hard to watch. But baseball is
0: not hard to watch. I'm going to keep watching it. I, I, think, want, I think you're onto to something. I am onto to something. And I want you to come back and talk baseball with me. Anytime. On a regular basis. Eric McGrain, former athlete, current dad, current friend of the program. Thank you,
3: Eric. Thank you. Well, okay, this year I was at the Iron Bowl, Okay. and I saw where they put a Scam Newton jersey on Bear Bryant's statue. Okay, I and mean, again, that's 28 years later. Okay, well, let me tell you what I did. The weekend after the Iron Bowl, I went to Auburn, Alabama, because I lived 30 miles away, sure. and I poisoned the two tumor trees. <laughs> okay, well, that's fair. I put spike 80 DL in them. Did they die? Do what did they die they're not dead yet but they they, will they, they they definitely will die is that
4: against the the law to poison a tree well do you think i care
3: no okay i really don't okay roll down tide
0: you think i care i really don't i do care about the guests we have today my dear friend Memphis, Tennessee native, six foot five, 310 pounds, three time national champion at Alabama. That is criminal. Outland Trophy winner in 2011 and played with me in St. Louis. But most importantly, a dad, a future dad, Barrett Jones. Congratulations and welcome to the Green Light Show. Well, thanks, Chris. Glad to be on. And, uh,
4: you know, you're a big reason I'm out of the NFL. So, you know, my poor <laughs> child won't be able to probably eat because you beat me so many times in practice. That is screwed so, so, up that you would me.
0: do that to me, bro. Well, you know what? You know what he could do is he could, you know, he or she, your child, could could uh, could get some of that booster money that's going to trickle down maybe from some of the Bama players that are getting paid about 30, 40K that's, a year. I a pay cut when I went to the NFL is <laughs> because
4: all the booster money I was getting that Harvey Updike funneling through the university. So oh, damn time. Yeah, I had
0: to, the, the, the NFL was basically like food stamps for me after my college experience. <laughs> That's true. And uh, NFL was a big come up for me because we did not get any handouts at, uh, at Virginia. And obviously we're all joking here for people who are comedically um, lacking. Uh, I want to get right into the, two. Uh, well, first off, are you going to name the kid Alabama like Harvey Updike? Uh,
4: either Alabama or crimson with a K. That's my two <laughs> options. I think, uh, uh, we're leaning out Alabama, but you know, we're also, if it's a boy, we're just thinking my name is Barrett, but we're just thinking bear, you know, uh-huh. after of course the bear.
0: Yeah. Or so, so just Saban. There's a
4: lot of options
0: uh, available. Sa- Sa- Big Sa- Owl. It's another one that's the name of our mascot. So. Oh yeah. There are a lot of, there are a lot of options. One, one name that I think you should throw in the pot. And, uh, I was going to ask you about right off the bat is Tua. Uh, tua is as sure. electric a player i don't know about you he reminds me of like russell wilson which is obviously high praise from anybody who would compare him the injury we think it's going to affect them we're not sure what do you see from them down the line and what do you see uh, for Tua in his draft stock
4: well i've watched a lot of college football this year i've thankfully gotten a chance on espn to call a lot of great games and i i think tua in that passing offense to me is by far the most dominant unit in college football i mean Tua is incredible, and in the way he gets his, the ball out of his hands so quickly, and the accuracy with which he does it is unparalleled. Uh, I, but I, I think let's not forget that receiving core, too. I mean, you got Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Devontae Smith, uh, Jalen Waddell. I mean, they have four dudes who are, are just straight-up uh, playmakers and can really beat you at man-to-man. You know, Tua's ankle, look at the high ankle sprain. I mean, you, you right. probably had one There, no- You
0: remember the famous low-damn-high I had? The, you know, I, Yeah, I know I mean, all about
4: it. it. They're, they're they're a bear, but, you know, I don't know if you do know this, but this whole new tightrope procedure, you know, that's the big thing right now is yeah. this, this new surgery. And uh, that we'll, we'll say one thing, you know, because Alabama, they have everything great. They have incredible doctors. And James Andrews and his whole team are down there with Lyle Kane and Norman Waldrop. They, they invent a lot of the surgeries, you know, that people do. And uh, they've had a lot of success with this tightrope deal. So, you know, I will say this about Tua. I love Tua. I think he's an incredible player. He doesn't play quite as well historically when he's a little beat up. That's just the M.O. on him. He gets hit a little bit. He sprained his ankle earlier in the early in the SEC championship game. Didn't play as well in that game. So when he doesn't feel 100%, sometimes he has tough a tough time battling through that. So that's certainly something to keep an eye on because I think LSU uh, without Tua, there's no doubt that they're a much better team than Alabama. So uh, uh-huh. they're
0: going to need. At full strength, uh, in order to to win that game. Well, it's like it's like the Patrick Mahomes thing. People ask why he struggled through the deep ball at, at times this season, and some things were dropping off. And you're like, well, it's an ankle injury. But a lot of a thrower's mechanics come from the bottom up, and that ankle. You hear quarterbacks talk about it all the time. It depends on if it's the plant leg or otherwise. When you see a guy like Mac Jones come in and. I would have been surprised that they had put up 40-plus points. I know they have great players. Uh, I know they have a great system. But did you see this coming from this kid individually who played lights out on Saturday?
4: Well, he, he played really well. But let's just pump the brakes a, a hair, right? I'm, Arkansas is historically bad as far as SEC goes. So, I mean, they're – they're a, and I, I hate to be negative about Arkansas and Chad Morris, and I hope they get things out in the right direction. Do you really? But they are – they're – well, no, not really. But they're a very bad team. So, I, yeah. I don't – I mean, I think Mac came in and executed the offense and played well and did a nice job. And look, I'm not anti-Mac down the road. I'm just going to tell you that uh, I've seen enough of Mac to know that he's may eventually be a good player. But I, but I think too highly of LSU this year. I think LSU right now is the most complete team in the country. Yeah. So I, I think that without Tua uh, and if Mac is playing the majority of the game, LSU will win the football game probably by two touchdowns. Wow.
0: Uh, well, uh, I, that's the bet I'd probably take. I'd probably take Bama. Uh, if they're if they're getting 14 points, I just it would be too it would be too I'm enticing. Sure. Um, you look at Joe Brady at, at LSU, um, the job he's done. What's the over under in year? I'll, I'll set the over under at four years till he's a head coach. You take the under or over?
4: I'm taking the under for sure. I mm-hmm. mean,
0: look, the, the trend right now is just to hire anyone
4: who uh, you know. Sean McVay really started all this. Sean McVay, it was his whole deal that hey, let's go out and hire some young quarterback coach and it really worked out well so now you see guys all over the NFL and it's creeping into the college game that you want to hire a quarterback mind you know I'm a big believer that there's really only a few people in football that really understand how to coach the quarterback position yes I think everyone sort of assumes, they just assume like oh this guy he's a good play caller surely he knows how to coach quarterbacks but most people don't like a lot of coordinators come from a receiver background or tight you know some of them come from quarterback backgrounds But there's really only a few guys that understand how to detail and coach up the quarterback position. And when you find a guy like that, they're rare. And that's why usually they ascend to head coaching jobs pretty quickly. And I think in order to really be great these days, especially in college football with the emphasis on how the rules are and the fact that you can go three yards downfield and RPO, like you have to have a dominant quarterback. You have to have a really good quarterback. I think the days of a ball control, game manager, quarterback. National championship or over? Yeah. I really do, yeah. and that's hard for me to say because I'm a Bama guy, and we won some national championships
0: that way. But I think to,
4: in order yeah, to yeah, I mean, that's you games,
0: were screaming at your quarterback over that. You were like, "Stop managing the game." I remember that whole clip. I, I was. I was like, "Quit managing <laughs> the game. about to make some plays," you know. So, no, uh, no, that's
4: that's a whole different
0: story. Yes, uh, uh, so, I, I believe. So you're not mad at LSU leapfrogging y'all in the standings? Um, we we've, I don't talked, know. we've talked about that. You think they're a better team, other than Tua? We've talked-
4: like that, It doesn't matter, ultimately. But yeah. They have three top ten wins, and I know those teams aren't currently in the top ten necessarily, but three top ten wins they absolutely deserve to be. But again, it doesn't matter. It's all going to be settled on the field and uh, should be
0: fun to watch. Especially for, for, yeah, two teams that are on a collision course, and you look at uh, that playoff picture, who do you see sliding in those four slots at the end of the year?
4: Well, it's a great question. I think, you know, right now the Big 12 is in some serious trouble just based on what happened this past week. And I actually think – you know, the LSU-Alabama game has some really impl- really interesting implications. Let's just say, hypothetically, that LSU loses uh, because of those three top ten wins. I think they would be in a great spot to slide back in that number four position. You know, right now, Clemson, I know there's a lot of noise about Clemson, and they almost lost to North Carolina. Look, I'm just going to tell you, like, people forget this, this thing is too corporately based, and there's too much money involved. If someone goes undefeated in a Power Five
0: conference— you can just book it. They're going to be in the playoffs. Especially a team with a track record like them in the playoffs.
4: Correct, and especially a defending champion. There's mm-hmm. no one keeping them. So Clemson, I think they've pretty they're pretty much automatic. You know, then let's, let's just say you know whoever wins the Alabama LSU game, if they're able to get past Georgia in the SEC championship, I like them. Uh, and then I, I like Ohio State, man. I think yeah, Ohio State is a really complete football team as well. I'm, I'm really I called them earlier this year, and uh, they've gotten so much better on defense. Justin Fields is playing well. He's still got a little ways to go, but that running game was dynamic. The O-line's playing well. they got a ton of talent in that secondary. Ohio State, to me, I think this is a really fun year of college football. You know, not that the last few years haven't been fun, but pretty much, you know, within reason, we've tried to talk ourselves out of it. The last few years, we, we basically knew it was probably going to be Alabama and Clemson. I don't feel that way this year. Now, yeah. now it could end up being those two teams, but I, I really feel like Ohio State, LSU, maybe even throwing Oklahoma, I think it's pretty good. Penn State, you know, that'll be an interesting game. There's some really good football teams this year. So uh, I-, I can't wait
0: to see how it all shakes out. We can all thank our lucky stars uh, that Notre Dame got beat because no one wants to see them in the playoffs. Uh, do you think it needs to go to eight, though?
4: Well, it's a great question. Uh, you know, I- I'll say right now, I actually got a chance uh, la- a few weeks ago. I went to this thing called the mock committee. They let ESPN guys do. And you go up there and, like, you're in the actual room and you go through and you kind of pick it out. It's a tough process. Like, yeah, I'm sure. There's a lot that more goes into it than people kind of realize. But currently, I love the buzz around four and five. Like, I think back to uh, Ohio State or Oklahoma uh, a few years ago. Like, like, there's just so much buzz over who that fit, that fourth team is going to be. Yeah. I don't think there would be quite the same buzz between eight and nine. So, I think it's good for the sport when that's really – like, there's pretty much – usually that's all anyone's talking about. Even look back to the first year where you had Ohio State, Baylor, and TCU all with one loss. Like, it creates a great buzz and like, uh, so I, I like it at four. I don't like adding another game either. Uh, do I think it will ultimately go to eight? I do because again, the old, at the end of the day, like uh, like Jay Bill says, there's just too much money. Too much, too much money. money. Well, not enough money. That's what Jay says. good. Not, not enough start, money, obviously, sarcastically. Yeah. Like they can add another game and make money off of it, and especially if you know every Power Five conference get their champion in, I think that makes too much sense. They'll probably do it. But I actually like the format. I think it's a lot of fun the way it is, just a battle over four or five. It makes it a little more interesting to me. Uh, I, I would be against automatic bids if they did go to eight. That to me would be a, you know, if you have some kind of lost garbage team like Virginia get in there, you know. Oh, we'd, we'd like uh, to keep
0: the Pac 12 completely out of it. There's no,
4: we'd like to keep the, the Pac 12 completely out of it. So uh, I, I wouldn't like that. But, you know, I think it ultimately will change because again, there's just, I mean, Chris, like, I'm a business guy. And, it, like, the whole thing to me is nuts. Like, what other business can – like, the Alabama football team, for example. I'm going to round off the numbers here. But, like, what other what other business can you spend about $50 million, which is about what they spend on the program, which is a bunch, to make, like, $100 million? You yeah. know what I mean? They, they, they're, like, clearing, like, $50 million. I think selling
0: cocaine off. would be
4: it. That's probably it. Like, it's, it's a great deal, right? But eventually, all that money, like, they're, they're going to find a way to get another game. And, yeah. I'm not, like, I'm a capitalist. Like, I get it.
0: It's just,
4: yeah. that's just the reality of the situation.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I they could have my money if they go to eight. I love the parody. I love the volume. That's why I love college football over pro football. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Before I let you go, everybody here on set is like, hey, we, we've been talking about saving There's got to be, Mick, M- did you have a question about saving Because I couldn't think of one. Barrett,
1: it's a simple question. Is or is not Nick Saban?
0: Did you hear the question? I can't Macon said, I can't hear Macon said, Is or is not Nick Saban fueled by little Debbie cream pies?
4: Oh, that's that is very true. He's very much fueled by those every single morning. Uh has one on the drive in. Like he, Nick Saban, here's what you gotta understand about him. right? I could we could do a whole nother show on Nick Saban. Well, we'll have like, you back to talk about Nick Saban. He he is the most consistent human being on earth. Yeah. Seriously, like that's part of what makes Alabama so great. He is so consistent. Yeah, he does pretty much the same thing every day. He's got he's very routine, pattern oriented, uh, and yes, part of that pattern and routine is that he has a little Debbie pie every uh, you know every day. He like, he he hates like this is a, this is a, a funny quick anecdote just about consistent. Like he doesn't like all the all the uh, you know the, the celebrating and everything. And I remember after 2011 we won the national championship, had not even had the parade yet because a team meeting. And he says, all right, guys, like, you know, congratulations on a great season. Uh, you know, you guys played well. But, like, I don't want to hear one more person mention the 2011 season. We're on the 2012. Like, we're, mo- we're ripping the rear mirror off. Oh we're moving God. on. Because we're going to repeat back-to-back champs. Because last time this happened in 09 we had a terrible year in '10. We're not going to let that happen again. So, I know we have the parade in a few days. But after that, I don't want anyone else to mention this season again. And, like, he just – He's so consistent. Like he just wants to get in there and grind. That's like and that's like Belichick. Say, yeah, he's like, he's very much like Belichick. He's one of their good buddies. Like I think people think he's miserable and he's unhappy. I don't. I don't, I think that's a false narrative. Like he loves. He's never happier than practice. He loves practice every day. He's skipping around. And I At would assume than, they practice a lot. Yeah, they do practice a lot. They. They. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out where our, where our off day was that was compliance. Uh, <laughs> because we practice on Monday, unlike everybody else. That's why so. they
0: paid you all the big bucks, Barrett. That's why we got paid so much by these boosters, man. Big well, time. Well, we appreciate having you, man, and uh, and congratulations again on becoming a dad. I think you're gonna make a wonderful dad. We hope to have you back so, uh, soon on the show.
4: Well, it'll be fun, and I know it'll be a nervous few days for you because you're such a big baseball fan. So good luck. Yeah, to you, I man. mean, I
0: gotta get through the, uh, the World Series. Hey, roll damn who's baby. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> All right, roll tide, Chris. <laughs> fuck was that I'm pretty sure that was probably the most unsafe zip line operating in America was the zip line at that stadium in Jacksonville god I think that's kind of fucked up Jags hope somebody pees in that big fancy pool oh wait it happens every single week uh so Darnold, mic Up, Ghostgate Mono, all that stuff runs together um That was the story last week. I don't think it's a big story. I think he did a great job with it. I think he shrugged it off. I like somebody that's confident enough to say they're having a bad game. Um, And you know, this guy's so innocent, this Sam Darnold. I love him. He's so pure. I actually, usually, as a mono survivor, I know this. In college, I was stricken with mono during my freshman season. People usually accuse you of making out with people at the bar. I don't think that's what happened with, with Darnold. I think it could have been, could have been a drink. <laughs> I actually believe the guy. I actually, I actually believe him. Um, I was only mic'd up twice in my career. I believe in not being mic'd up, but there can be a lot of fun had when others are mic'd up. And I always made sure I had fun. Uh,
3: oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. No, I'm mic'd up. Yeah. Oh, okay. that rash cleared up the one that you were asking me about like
0: a
2: topical ointment the one right next to (laughs) your
0: yeah that's the oldest trick in the book see somebody mic'd up go ask them about their herpes rash that they don't have it's a joke for any of you people out there who don't get humor uh just just talking rashes nothing wrong with it um Again, nobody in the NFL has a rash. It's just something I ask anybody who's mic'd up. I've asked countless teammates about their rashes and Jenk had fun with it too. So, the Sooner Schooner. A lot has developed since the video went viral. Um, They're shutting down this Oregon Trail-like wagon. Oh, CTE. Boom. Tau protein. I can joke about it because I'm at risk for it. Um, the Roughnecks, man, they took a spill. That's what they call the male cheerleaders there. I don't know why they call them that. I think there's a little stolen valor there because th- those are the guys on oil rigs. Not the first time they had a spill, though. And a- again, shut down for the season. 1993 against Colorado. Ugh. That's that's when the Roughnecks were were really Roughnecks. That's AstroTurf. Bursitis at the very least You got people getting the structural integrity of their knees checked out Yeah, I think that guy blew everything in his knee out They were a lot tougher back then Of course UVA Full disclosure had a mascot disaster This is Cavman This is back when we weren't a powerhouse and we were on ESPNU Nearly impaling himself with his saber Hopefully, it was fake. Cavman is a personal friend, name drop. He used to run his horses on my farm. He's a good dude. I'm not trying to dox him. But we don't do that ESPNU shit anymore at Virginia, not under Broncos watch. And then this guy showed up again.
3: <laughs>
0: I love this dude. This is, there he is, the Bill Burr, Johnny Sins love child right there in a wholesome ass middle of America. Chevy commercial that keeps showing up every Sunday night, and I caught it with my cell phone. You know who didn't catch it? The folks at Chevy. I'm glad that they are living clean, and they don't know the work of Mr. Sins. If you do get this segment, you are a pervert. If you don't get it, do not Google who Johnny Sins is. Stop right there. It also reminded me of a fact that I wondered about before thinking about Bill Burr and his New England accent, they don't hire adult performers, film actors and actresses with New England accents. They just, they don't. Hada, Hada, <laughs> Can't do it. Before you sit in the casting couch they ask you if you're from something that ends up in Borough or you know, something like a a Hingham or a Lowell, Massachusetts. If you hear any of those birthplaces, they just send you back out and you don't even get to sit on the casting couch. They ask you if you're a Patriots fan, can't sit on the casting couch. Just doesn't work in that industry. Can't have a New England accent. Not sexy. So, we have uh, a lot of stuff going on at Chalk. We have a DJ Premier interview that dropped last Saturday. If you haven't seen it, uh, on my very own interview show called The Fishbowl, Bowl, just check it out.
3: The first time we finally met in person, I came to your game Woody, yeah. when you played with Philly, yeah. and you texted me from inside, yeah. you know, and shot to Nicole. Yeah, and, Nicole, uh, yeah, Woody. Yeah, Nicole, Woody, and – uh you say, "Hey, be by the end zone because we're gonna come out and warm up." Yeah. So I see you come out and yeah, y'all are just hyped that day. Yeah, y'all played the Broncos. Yeah. Which, uh Shout out to my boy John Cleary, who I brought with yeah. me because he's Broncos and he didn't he didn't want to show the jersey. Yeah. He, you know. Not in Philly. That's yeah. not a place you want to wear. He had the jersey on, but he had a green hoodie yeah. over it yeah. so that you wouldn't see it. Yeah. And I mean, he's dialed. He wanted to meet John Elway, so bad. and right. All of a sudden. See uh, Elway walking, and and he's, he, I mean, like, like he's like the president, yeah. man. Like they, they, they're, they're walking with him, like if oh, he's, yeah, he's secret. Got, I remember that, that because he was on the sideline. He's got yeah. like fifteen suits with him. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> he's just like, damn, man, I'm want to see if I can go say hi to him. I said, well, do it now because the game hasn't started, maybe you can. Right. And he went over there, he, said he got scared, so he oh, comes did he back. Really? And right when he comes back, Bismarck, he goes, Yo, what are you doing? Dude, he's always bed? there. You know? And me and Biz go way back. And I you know, always I, wanted to say hi to him, but you know, I was like, my fuck, I don't want to like come up. Nah, and he's, he's cool. super cool. Yeah. Right? And he's like, well, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, I said, I'm <laughs> with Chris Long. How do you know Chris? You know? And I was like, yo, man, we, we're cool. <laughs> so he knew too. who I was? Yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. And that's he, cool. He, no, yeah, no, he's definitely down with sports. And yeah. uh, so then we see you and... Uh, yeah, you know, I'm like maybe you'll say what's up. And I know yeah, you're, you're in the yeah, moment, and the game yeah. can restart, really and right when you see me, you come over to me, and I think we're just gonna do a little. Yeah, play. you run, you <laughs> ram into me like if, I, like if I'm fucking, if I have the ball. Yeah, and I'm just like, I've always had strong legs, so if I didn't lock up, yeah, I would have been on the ground. I'm on because, a lot of coffee. Yo, know, I would have been on yeah. the ground because you hit me. Yeah, like. With Oh, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm also my teammates say that I can get a little over the top. I told all I told all my all my friends I say, yo, when I met Chris, <laughs> I think he's just gonna give me a little, you know, a little body no, hug. Bro, we're brothers, man. I want you to feel me. the game. they I felt it. You want the, the full experience. Now I, I know, know what the interview. NFL hit feels like.
0: So Primo got the NFL experience. That's me on seven cups of coffee Um, before a game at the link. It is dangerous. Don't get in my way. That was another life, this is the new life. Check back with us Friday, Greenlight will be back on. Heading into your weekend, we will talk about a whole lot of different stuff, including an upcoming fishbowl interview that dovetails nicely off that preview with a special guest that I will surprise you with Friday. Have a great week. So what I fuck up today, mate? You've been correcting me for how long now? About 25 years.
1: 25, 30 years. You posited that the 2013 Rams Titans score was 26 to three or 26 to 23. Yeah. It was 28-21. CTE. Lornidas, <laughs> nine tackles and a sack. Hot Rod McLeod, Virginia, seven tackles and a pick. Kendall Langford, two sacks. William Hayes, a sack in that game. Chris Long, one, one tackle. tackle.
0: Had a lot of hits, though. Roll that tape back. Maybe I, I need to justify myself.
1: A uh, pro football reference has QB hits one. Oh, yeah? A singular QB. I think they missed that.
0: Hit. I'm going to bring the tape in Friday. What else did I fuck up?
1: And I wanted to give the first and only shout-out of this pod to Fernando Rodney. Uh, because you referred to him as Caesar Rodney. An officer of the Delaware militia during the French and Indian War and the American Revolution.
0: Yeah, well, all I asked was what was up with Caesar Rodney. <laughs> Whatever, motherfucker. <laughs>